0: Hello everyone, it's Deb, the host of Deb's Data Dojo. Deb's Data Dojo is part of the Calling All Beings Podcast Network. Today I'm speaking to Eric Schlimmer. He is a licensed therapist and avid hiker. He is also a disabled veteran who is an advocate for veterans and specializes in assisting veterans in his practice. He founded the Hiking Veteran and Beachwood Books. Eric has written multiple books, including From Northville to Placid. Eric has an interest in the UAP phenomenon and is supporting experiencers within the mental health field. Welcome. Nice to meet you. Uh,
1: Likewise. Thanks for having me.
0: So let's go ahead and talk a little bit about um, the practice that you have first. If you don't mind, explain um, your position with the phenomenon and how you're helping vets, perhaps.
1: Sure. So I didn't find my true calling till I was about 45 years old. So there was a little delay. Uh, I like to tell people I did my retirement first.
0: So (laughs) during
1: my 20s and 30s, I had all outdoor jobs. I was a caretaker and ridge runner on the Appalachian Trail. I was a professional trail builder, a guide, a backcountry ranger. And I took advantage of that youth and wanted to camp outside and just be in the mountains because I asked, you know, do I really want to be doing this when I'm 60 or 70 during my retirement? So I did what my friend calls the reverse retirement plan. And it's absolutely brilliant because (laughs) if I play my cards right, I'll have two retirements, one lifetime. So I turned 40 and I was sleeping in a leaky tent during a rainstorm. And I said, yeah, I, I think I'm going to have to get a real job. Damn it. So I went back to school for my master's. I already had a bachelor's in speech communication with a concentration of public speaking. And I entered the mental health field because people had helped me in the past. And wouldn't it be nice to return the favor? I've always been fascinated with why people do the things that they do which includes myself, just why do we do things? Why do we think a certain way? Why do we have cognitive distortions? Why do we have biases? It all interested me greatly. So long story short, I got my master's degree only three years ago in clinical social work. So I'm actually a licensed social worker, but I always just say I'm a therapist because nobody really knows what a social worker does. They think I'm the guy that takes You know, parents, kids away from them. (laughs) I think that's what people think social workers do. I don't do that. I'm a therapist. I sit in an office in 50-minute blocks, and I Mm -hmm. talk to people about their issues. So, again, it took me a while to get here, but I think I found my true calling after all. I'm 48 years old now. The Mm -hmm. practice I work at, I work at a private practice in Colorado Springs, and it's called Willow Creek Wellness. I'm the old-timer. I've been there for a couple years and uh maybe i'm biased thinking about bias but i think it's the best practice here in the city mm-hmm. so i do a lot of work in there uh, i work for 10-hour days and the three most common uh, challenges i see with clients anxiety depression and post-traumatic stress disorder which tie into the uap theme really well and i have to be honest i have uh, a weekly meeting with my supervisor Her name is Kate and I said hey Kate uh just to give you a heads up I don't know if you know this but I'm really into UAPs and I got invited on a podcast to talk about it is that okay and I'm sure we'll talk about it more is and by the way she was like oh that's that that's great yeah great good for you uh I'm sure we'll talk about it more is why I'm choosing to connect more with UAP experiencers or people who are just anxious about all this overwhelming evidence that has come out in the last two and three years um, is to try to shatter that stigma. Uh, This whole little green men. do you believe in flying saucers? Uh, Very few things annoy me in life, but it would be the dismissive rhetoric around this subject And getting on a podcast, getting on Twitter and Instagram to put the word out, it's been great so far because everybody, like yourself, has been very welcoming.
0: Right. So um, for those who are listening and are not aware, I also work with therapists because I am what they call a therapeutic support specialist. And of course, that means that um, I am surrounded by people who have their masters and Um, are licensed to practice therapy. So I find this also to be an important subject. And every day I feel like I'm a step closer to addressing this with my clinic and talking to them on a serious note about this topic. um, Because unfortunately, I I don't feel like the community is prepared. Um, The mental health community is prepared to deal with it. So, so what did you do to prepare for that part of the mental health field, dealing with experiencers? Hmm.
1: I educated myself, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm a veteran, and I work with a lot of active duty soldiers here at Fort Carson in Colorado Springs. I worked with a lot of veterans. And then I have some extensive training in military culture. I'm a military one-source provider. And I just know a lot about the military, right? All the branches and what it's like to be in. I've never been in combat myself. I can only educate myself the best I can through my clients and what I read. That's why I can work with that population very well, because I know my stuff. When it, becomes, when it comes to UAPs, since I just started uh, letting people know that I want to work with experiences, or again, people are bothered by all this evidence, Uh, I educate myself. So I read books and I read articles and I watch every Lou Elizondo interview on YouTube about six times in a row. And what I'm trying to do is learn as much about this subject as I can. I have no personal experiences in this just like I've never been in combat. So I've never seen a UAP I've never seen anything that would suggest I am seeing something out of the ordinary. And I actually think that's a good thing because it makes me less biased. So if I had an intense, close UAP interaction, I may be able to accept any evidence. But I think being skeptical is very healthy. So the problem, and by the way, I totally agree with you, and we've talked about this a little before, is the mental health field is woefully unprepared for any of this. So I'll give you a parallel example since we were talking about veterans. So if I have somebody come into my office, they're displaying symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder, and eventually I'm gonna ask what happened, right? What is going on that's still bothering you so much? And they said, oh, we got ambushed in Fallujah. And I say, where? Oh, Fallujah. Fallujah, never even heard of it. Yeah, it's in Iraq. Iraq, what, wait, what were you doing in Iraq? I'm so confused. Oh, we were in Iraq. There was a war there. And I go, there was? (laughs) That would be totally unprofessional. I'm totally uneducated and have no business working with that combat veteran. It's the same with UAPs. So, if somebody were to come into a therapist's office, let's say they're not even an experiencer, but like me, they are very concerned about what they have seen regarding evidence over the last two or three years. And they start telling me this, and I've never heard of a Tic Tac. I've never heard of Bob Lazar. Never heard of Commander David Fravor. I know absolutely nothing. And therefore, I'm stuck in that old mindset where I say, well, you know, maybe you saw a weather balloon. Imagine how that client's going to feel because that client has probably been shut down by family members, friends and anybody in between. They're finally brave enough to come in and talk to a therapist. I have no clue what I'm talking about and therefore I'm dismissive. That would be a really bad therapeutic experience.
0: Yes. And actually, I've I've said multiple times to people, therapy is not about figuring out necessarily the why, but it's more about figuring out the consequences of the why and how to Mm -hmm. deal with those consequences. So if you do have a therapist that is saying, hmm, yeah, you're just You know, crazy or anything like that, obviously, they're not an adequate therapist. They're supposed to be treating your symptoms. um, And that, those are the things that can basically dehabilitate a person. And that is what they're supposed to be correcting. So, an open minded therapeutic relationship is some, you know, considerably important. Um, And I did want to comment there was a time when. Robert Bigelow attempted to contact the American Psychiatric Association and provide information in the 90s. And I had never heard of that. And I imagine very few therapists were aware of that. I don't know what happened there, but he had delivered a pamphlet out to the American Psychiatric Association members. And he even offered to do conferences. So it sounds like uh, your step one would be to just be educated. What would you suggest for future therapists who want to help experiencers besides being educated?
1: Well, that's the main thing is they they have to know what's going on. Now, part of the education is just learning about these people's experiences and how it could be disturbing to them. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um what they need to come to terms with is that this is real. And Mm -hmm. I'm saying this with a big smile because we're at the point now where, look, if you don't know what's going on, I get it, okay? We can't all be interested in everything. So when I started talking to my friend back in New York State where I'm originally from about UAPs, she was very receptive, but I said, hey, why are you not into this like I am? She goes, Eric, I'm making dinner and my kids have food allergies and my husband is picky, right? (laughs) So I get it. You can't be into everything, okay? But what these therapists have to realize is that it is real, just like a cloud we see, just like the mountain in my backyard, just like the food we eat, just like the table I'm sitting at. There's no denying that this is real. And the problem is, so I talked to one of my colleagues about this, or I said, I I tried to talk and she was very kind, very receptive, but I'm sure you've gotten this, is you kind of get into this information and you get, and it's not intentional, it's not malevolent. It's this look I get that goes, "Uh uh-huh, it's not dismissive, but they're kind of like, I think Eric is crazy. Or he's gullible, or something like that. Now the problem with having this conversation, and it's a it's a big challenge. I haven't figured out yet, is I haven't figured out a way to ease into it, because it's all so yeah. big. Yeah, and, and if, so
0: it's not, not something you just segue to. Hey, let's talk about right. the weather oh, and you Yeah. Oh, by the way. <laughs> uh, oh, by the yeah. Did you
1: see that Broncos game last night? Oh, by the way. So, you know, if if somebody was going to say if they let's say one of my colleagues or I'm at a conference or whatever, I'm reading a book about UAPs and they go, what if you what do you think about that? And I go, my personal theory is that it's humans from the future to stop a nuclear holocaust. They are not going to be sitting at the same dinner table with me at that conference at night. They just want nothing to do with me because I'm like the crazy UFO guy. So education is very important, but uh, the very beginning is for people to know that this is going on. And, you know, I I get this uneasy feeling just saying it because I kind of feel like a crazy person. It's so weird that I'm telling the truth, but I'm also at the same time stigmatizing myself. It's quite odd
0: right i i feel like the campaign to stigmatize this issue was so successful it's almost as successful as uh you know that save the turtle campaign where you cut the rings to make sure that we throw them out they don't hurt the turtles And, and i mean for sodas um yeah so it's kind of like why did that work so well? Why did those campaigns work so well and influence people so much when so many other efforts have failed? But, but the sad truth is if you look at it um, historically, the only reason that stigma campaign happened was so that it didn't overwhelm the military by calling in. Like they literally had a practice of dismissing of the story so they were not overwhelmed by the public calling them while they were worrying about other things.
1: Right, That's the only and you're right. reason. <laughs> yeah, and you're absolutely correct. It was highly effective. I mean, here, you know, and, and it worked out great. But we know it's effective because I have I had to ask the owner of my practice if I appeared on here that I would give them a poor image. I mean that. That says a lot. It also says a lot about my practice, that they were totally open to it and supportive. But overall, you're not going to find many professionals who will just come on and talk like this for fear of what their colleagues are going to say. But again, we are it's so weird because I actually know what I'm talking about. And I had the confidence to speak with you. But it's just—it's the only example I have, and and you were hinting that this is unique, and I agree. It's the only situation I know of where somebody who knows what they're talking about wants to remain quiet, and people who don't know what they're talking about are the ones who are believed. It's downright
0: bizarre. Yeah, I'm the fact that okay. So I understand that society as a whole, people are pretty self-absorbed, right? They just mm-hmm. kind of want to go about their day, get through work. They don't want to really look out the window and figure out what's going on for the entire universe. Like, that may just be too much for people, right? Right. Um, but it is remarkable to a lot of people in the community that the public isn't paying attention to the fact that the government says this is real. They're saying the videos of UAPs are real. They're saying they're not from foreign technology. And they're saying there's a really good chance that they have occupants. You know, like we've gotten all of those messages. Mm -hmm. Um, They're even saying they're going to be actively trying to capture these to examine them. All of this has been put on a bill that anyone can read. It's not a secret Mm -hmm. anymore. We've had, you know, we've had NASA come out and say, you know, something's going on. It may be extraterrestrials. We've had the head of intelligence say it could be extraterrestrials. And yet here we are still trying to justify how do we talk to therapists about this? You know, it's so sad that we're so behind because of the stigma campaign.
1: Yeah, you put it very well. We are behind i was recently watching a youtube video with chris leto the uh retired f-16 air force pilot and he's just absolutely incredulous how this is not uh no pun intended how it's not on everybody's radar and he says you know people will come up to him and say you know i don't believe this you don't know what you're talking about you know where's all this video and where are these photos and he just he basically yells at the camera and says they're on the internet. He's like, how do you not, like, this is so incredibly easily accessible. And another outspoken um, proponent of this needs to be front page news and on the Chiron of every major news outlet is Ross Coldhart. And, uh, of course, he's an award-winning, you know, solid journalist from Australia. And boy, what a voice, too, as a bonus. And... He just cannot understand why everybody is not talking about this. Now, I believe there are good reasons. Okay, so if you were to examine all the evidence, which I've been doing for the last eight months, it's very overwhelming. Um, Not the amount, but what it means for us. Um, To be honest, I worry. This is the first time in my life I've worried because I don't know what's going to happen. And this technology is so advanced, they come and go as they please, and they do whatever they want, and we're basically at their whim, right? Who wouldn't worry about that? So I think people are avoiding it intentionally. So there's an old joke, this guy was a chain smoker, he smoked cigarettes all the time. And he picked up the newspaper one day and there was a newspaper article about the dangers of smoking. And that day he quit reading. (laughs) So that's what we do when we don't like things that might, to put it mildly, shatter our worldview. We are not going to embrace that. Right. I mean, who doesn't want uh, I you know how I like my life nice and boring. Nice mm-hmm. and uneventful. I like to do the same damn thing every day. Uh, you know, if I have to put in non-dairy creamer instead of half and half, like that's world-shattering for me, right? So a lot of people can't handle that change. So I think people are intentionally ignoring it. But then we're just drawn to other things. I mean, I cannot tell you who's dating or married to Kim Kardashian, but I bet a lot of Americans can. I can tell you quite a bit about mental health and UAPs. Many Americans cannot. And so I guess we each have our own priorities.
0: Yes, it's it's pretty interesting. A, a lot of people have made the comment that, you know, a video about someone doing something like coloring on their tablet will get a million views. Mm-hmm. But an interview about, like, how, for a fact, the Tic Tac was a real UAP gets maybe 3,000, maybe 6,000. Yeah, um, sure. now I will I will say that um, there is another aspect to that that I've been Mm -hmm. hearing about more recently and actually rings kind of true for my own personal experiences. There's some kind of memory issue associated with the phenomenon. And I don't know if it is in particular purposeful or the human brain just goes into shock and then blocks the memory. Um, So I've been hearing people talk about they have an experience, they forget about the experience, and then something reminds them that it happened, and then it all comes back. Um, Have you heard about that before?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Right now I'm reading uh, a book about the Rendlesham Forest UAP event in 1980. It's written by Nick Pope, who was the Lou Elizondo of England back in the eighties. And he talks about the two people, Burroughs and Penniston missing time. Um, also, uh, there was recently a pilot who spoke out. He swears he flew by a UAP and was around it for about a minute and he burned a half hour of fuel. Uh, it, it, it is very interesting. Most of the cases I've read about, um, there's a, a close interaction with a UAP somebody actually gets picked up by one, and you would think they would just run and tell everybody. I mean, that's kind of a big deal, right? But you're absolutely right. It's not till days later that they're like, wait a minute. I think they were, wait a minute, what happened last week? You know? And then they remembered this story. It, it's very interesting. Now, I don't think It is dissociation. I don't think that at all. So dissociation is where you enter kind of like a dream-like state when you experience intense stress, and that's to kind of soften the moment so you're not overwhelmed. I don't think it's that. It seems like really a memory problem, And, and I believe it's something that these UAP occupants are doing. I don't think it's of our own making, but it is very, very interesting that here something dramatic happens, the biggest event of your entire life, and you don't talk about it for a week, maybe two weeks, maybe even a month. It's not dissociation, there's no indication of that. It appears that something happens when people are near UAPs, what that is, is uh, certainly beyond my understanding.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's something I definitely want to get to the bottom of and, and as a person interested in mental health, obviously, because, mm-hmm. um, for instance, people enter, I'm going to say this wrong because I've only really had to read it. <laughs> I've never had to say it. A fugue state. I have actually talked to someone who is in that state. And again, it's caused by extreme stress. And mm-hmm. it's and they basically um just have an like almost like um how do i explain it they're they're basically just very confused about things that have happened recently but but the difference between that state and we've had some examples of public figures going into that state by the way but that state of mind where you're just so stressed you're just kind of like bumbling around And this other situation with the phenomenon is that these people just like go about their daily lives. They're not bumbling around. They're going from, you know, doing whatever they were doing before to continuing on. Like nothing happened. They're not distorted. And then like um, maybe months or years or whatever later, something triggers it and they remember everything. So it is almost like it gets hidden in the brain and, and, um, my understanding of hypnosis is that with hypnosis, that's not even really possible because hypnosis is more like a in-between sleep and awake state. And you do essentially remember what's happening when you're hypnotized. So I don't know. It mystifies me.
1: It does. And the case that comes to mind, um, though, I only really got into UAPs and in less than a year ago. I, I still remember years ago when I was a, a college kid, I think, was uh, some canoeists and campers up on the Allagash River in Maine. And it was three or four adult men. And it appears that they were on board a UAP. It, it swooped down and picked them up. And it went from paddling frantically to the shore and having this thing close in on them. And then the next thing they know, they're still paddling towards the shore. They were gone many hours that were unaccounted for. And for me, as a therapist, the most interesting part is they get to shore and they just all go to bed. No one was like, that was weird. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're just like, "Okay, good night. And then sure enough, about four days later, you know, and it's very interesting how these memories come back. You get like a little breadcrumb. You know, right. somebody will say, did you see a light? You know, it's something very minor. And then it's like a snowball effect. Yeah, yeah, I, I do remember. Yeah, and wait, was it coming towards us? And, and it all starts coming back. And hypnosis is a right. great way to access it. And basically, hypnosis is designed to put somebody in such a relaxed state that they can access it. Now, how much they can access through hypnotherapy I'm not quite sure. Uh, there's also some promising work with psychedelics like MDMA that they work uh, with people with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. And again, it's to enter an extremely re- relaxed state where you can let your guard down and actually talk about things that are buried. I think hypnosis is a, a little bit different. I'm actually gonna get my hypnosis certification, but <laughs> haven't been, I haven't done it yet. I've just been reading UAP books. I can't write them down. Right. So, or, or can't put them down. So, yeah, the missing time thing and, and, and not remembering, uh, it's extremely interesting. I also don't think it's a drug. So, I, I've had people ask, you know, oh, oh, Eric, it sounds like, you know, you've been reading a lot about this. And apparently, people who have been on UAPs are kind of in this helpless, almost dreamlike state. But i don't think it's a drug i don't think it's a drug that like wears off it's probably something well beyond our comprehension
0: yeah i theorize that it is and i've I've definitely have said this a few times that it's probably their technology Mm -hmm. um i think and i think that when we are encountering whatever is going on with their technology the the electromagnetic wave frequency is impacting our brain in such a way that it causes different states sometimes people feel the the panic and sometimes Mm -hmm. they feel um euphora and Mm -hmm. i feel i feel like that lines up with other studies that have been done related to em um Mm -hmm. also some people have what is known as the Frey effect where they hear music in their heads that's also Mm -hmm. associated with that em frequencies or radiation whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call it um you know i I, hallucinations sometimes like you know things like dino beavers Mm -hmm. might be related to em so i honestly think there's a potential technology at play that's influencing our psychology and that may be what they're using not only to mess with people's memories but also sometimes to um control the response from these people Mm -hmm. now why they would ever want us to panic i don't know i think that could be accidental you know it could be accidental Mm -hmm. this whole thing the whole impact of what they're doing to us with their technology so yeah that's a
1: that's a pretty good theory, and what I also like about the subject is every single thing we could have said over the last half hour is wrong. <laughs> I gotta like that I, I like the mystery of it all, though sometimes it could be unsettling, but I think you're right and it's very interesting talking about this where um, we think of all these things in uh, based in our world, right? So if somebody says... Oh, I just think you know if if somebody's on board a UAP that it's a drug that sedates them. Maybe this society or this culture where these beings are from, maybe there's no such thing as drugs. Maybe they don't even have a word for it. Maybe it never even exists. They have no idea what it is. It's interesting. So a good example is um, there are some theories, and I, I I don't this is way beyond my understanding and expertise about how these things are propelled. And Bob Lazar was of the opinion that it's nuclear. And I was talking to somebody. I said, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm i going with nuclear propelled. That's what I'm going with. Could be totally wrong. I don't know. And he said, yeah, but the the ship would weigh so much because of all the shielding from the nuclear device. And I said, why would you ever think they're affected by gravity? You know, or why would you think they need shielding? You know, why do you think that? Their craft actually weigh something when they're flying. And so we're doing our best. We're just going by what we're familiar with in our world. But the point is, our theories coming from our reality might not even exist. I was talking to a friend the other day and she's saying, you know, it could be something like we have speed and drag and lift and gravity and mass and speed and dimensions. And she goes, maybe they have a hundred other of those kind of measurements that we've never even heard of i mean it's just it's mind-blowing how different it could be from what might be really primitive theories that we have we just don't know
0: yes i think um one of the things that happens when you start studying this topic is it's it's tempting to just go with nuts and bolts for a while and then pretty soon you have to expand what you're looking at because the evidence says there's a lot more than nuts and bolts going on um so mm-hmm. so one thing that came to mind when you were saying maybe it's something we can't even think of is like you know if if there are a society that has for some reason, tapped into something with their brains that we can't fully tap into. They could just be thinking, "Go to sleep to us, and it might work." You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's honestly, you know, I hate to make this relationship uh, comparison because I don't like to think of these others as necessarily being superior so much mm-hmm. as different because. It's one thing to have superior technology, another thing to be a superior being. Um, mm-hmm. But but when I when I look at my dog, for instance, he he will have a hormonal response to me. He can't mm-hmm. help it. It's something that is bred in dogs for whatever amount of time we've done it, right? So mm-hmm. we're almost affecting animals in that way just by looking at them. Like my dogs, Mm -hmm. as soon as I look at them, they start wagging their tails. So is it really, is it really that much of a leap to think that another entity might be able to do something to us just by looking at us? You know, who knows?
1: Yeah. uh, Somebody put it uh, well recently. I was reading something about UAPs and they said, you know, at this point, everything's possible. I mean, anything is possible. You know, I, I find it very interesting that people who claim to have been aboard UAPs were communicated to, it appears telepathically, there, there have been very few instances of these beings actually speaking. You know, almost exclusively, people say their mouths never moved. And they're like, well, then how did they tell you these things that you said they told you? And they're like, I don't know. They just told me. There, there's there's no actual audio. <laughs> they're not even speaking, but they're somehow communicating. That's a very common theme uh, with these experiencers. It's just absolutely mind-blowing. And as I learn more about UAPs, I am open to just about everything. So when I first started looking at the the performance characteristics of UAPs, I was like, yeah, it's just got one hell of an engine. I mean, this is, this thing can go pretty damn fast. And now I'm thinking that they're not traveling through distance. They're traveling through time. I, I'm certainly leaning towards that. It sounds what Ross Coldheart would say, insane. Uh, but then again, it's quite possible. It, it, it is high weirdness all around.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people who know more than than they're letting on sometimes, mm-hmm. like they have to protect sources or have an NDA mm-hmm. or whatever. They're kind of telling us, you know, it may be weirder than we even realize. Um, and, and they're also kind of giving us the message, there's still a lot we don't even know. You know, the, there's still a lot we're trying to figure out. And I know that is in part because a lot of things are being compartmentalized in the government. So Mm -hmm. maybe, you know, not all the people who know something have gotten into a room yet to put all those pieces together.
1: Right, right. And we, you know, it's interesting. uh, Lou Elizondo is a great example. Uh, If you just, if you watch one interview with him, you don't really get much information. But if you watch all of them on YouTube, and maybe they're up to about 25 right now, you can start piecing together a story. Uh, People who know things are dropping a little hint here and a little hint there. And it's kind of like a puzzle. And I think it was John Ramirez who said, yeah, it's a puzzle, but you don't have the box that it came in. So you don't even know what the puzzle looks like and you got the four corners and now you have you know, 496 other pieces and, and you don't even know what the outcome, what the goal is. It might've been Ross Colehart, somebody else, they were saying, you know, let's say that there's someone in our government. Well, let's say knowing just about everything, like where they're from, Uh, The propulsion systems, what their intentions are, what their history is, what happened in Roswell, everything. Let's say that's a 10. And they asked, you know, somebody who knows the most in the United States, what do they know? And the answer was a two. They said whoever the most knowledgeable person is, they, they maybe know two. And they might be wrong half the time. So that brings them back down to a one. So I totally agree with you. Some uh, people who know things, that there's much more they do not know. That's, that's clear.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about those breadcrumbs. Um, so from, you know, someone who's paying quite a bit of attention to what's going on, it, it seems pretty clear that we're getting a new set of breadcrumbs just about every week. Um, mm-hmm. that there is a drip of information happening, um, and it seems like they're also sort of treating the UFO community as the receptors of those breadcrumbs, because they're not mm-hmm. going on 60 Minutes every week. They're coming mm-hmm. on podcasts, and they're talking to the UFO community in particular. It's not mm-hmm. a global communication. We're the guinea pigs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, And I guess they're hoping that us discovering things will disseminate it to the public somehow, eventually. And then they're also perhaps watching how we respond before they release it to the public as a whole, in my opinion. So what do you think of that disclosure method? I know some people just want like the president to come out at a podium and make an announcement but, you know, obviously, that's going to be really scary for the world. So what do you think mm-hmm. about the slow drip?
1: Well, yeah, if your listeners could see me, I was shaking my head up and down furiously when you came out. With this. I, I am totally on board with this. And Ross Coldheart is is as well. He mentioned this in his book, In Plain Sight. And uh, somebody else is mentioning it recently where the, the president is not going to come out and just spill everything. That is not how things work. That is not going to happen. I totally agree with you. The government has compelling, as Lou Elizondo would put it, compelling uh, video and still images. Uh, You've probably heard this before. Lou Elizondo has talked about this infamous 23 minute video he says the craft is 150 feet away it has portholes and you can see the occupants that is absolutely mind-blowing when he said that i could not believe it and he is a man of his word there's no way he was not telling the truth and i totally agree i think the I think we've become allies of people in high places who know things. And I think we're kind of doing the job they do not want to do. And so there, a couple of videos will be leaked. Some things will be confirmed. Some things will be released, redacted through FOIA requests. And we're putting together this puzzle and disseminating it to the public right it, it's 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 kind of like you know you just don't stick your hand in a pot of boiling water and that's what it would be like if just all this was dumped on everybody so i i could not agree with you more it's, it's very smart it's a really good theory that you have in that i think they're they, 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 the game's over. I mean, they, they can't hide this stuff anymore. The game is over. The whole weather balloon shtick, that died like 20 years ago, right? So we know that – we know what's going on. It's just how are we going to let people know and, again, for Biden to come out and just say, oh, by the way, these are future – we're going with Eric Schlimmer's theory because I'm sure they'll call me first. We're going with Eric Schlimmer's theory, and these are future humans, da 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 people would absolutely lose their minds or uh, they'll just deny it and go about their business, which is a psychological defense mechanism. But I'm totally on board with your theory. I think it's hundred percent correct.
0: Yeah. And I've, I've also said that even if people saw and watched on live television an an uh, extraterrestrial or future human or whatever you want to call it coming out mm-hmm. of a craft right on the White House lawn, people would still not believe it. Like I've said that over and over, that is not going to work because people will say, hey, that's CG or hey, it's someone in a costume. Hey, look, someone is putting on a play. You know, they will still find a way to say that is not real. That's just how humans work.
1: Yep, you're very smart very savvy uh, again i totally agree and um i was hoping you brought this up there's a very good uh example of this in a movie so the movie is called the day after and it's about nuclear war it was filmed in lawrence kansas and i think it came out in 1983 cuz i think i saw it when i was 10 And I was born in 1973, so I think it came out in 83, and it was about uh, the destruction of Earth through nuclear war, and it scared the hell out of Americans, and it scared the hell out of me in particular, because I was only 10. And this was during the Cold War, and people were actually legitimately concerned about a nuclear holocaust, where there's a great scene where we know the Russians have launched theirs, we have launched ours, and it's... You know, assured mutual destruction. And there's a, a family, again, it takes place in Kansas, so they're way out in the sticks. And uh, the kids are bringing food and water and batteries down into the basement. And the father and the son are outside uh, piling dirt against the basement windows. So their plan is they're going to hold in the basement for a long time and maybe survive blast and as they're making their final trip down into the basement they can't find mom and so the husband he's like where's your mom oh i don't know and he's looking through the house and he goes upstairs and she's making the bed it's a really really good scene it's a parallel to what you say right so if the if these Beings and UAPs just, I mean, show themselves in force, land on my house lawn, land in my backyard. People will still go to work. (laughs) They'll still uh, see if the kids want Taco Bell. They will be in this extreme psychological state of denial and delusion that everything's okay. That's why the woman was upstairs making the bed. Uh, She knew that Kansas was going to get blown off the Mm map, but she went about her business. And when he confronted her, uh, he had to actually drag her into the basement physically because she just was not ready for that. So again, I I totally agree with you. Uh, This could be front page news to say, Hey folks, the world as we know it has completely changed and uh people will go to work uh and people will go about their everyday lives because again it is too much to handle and i understand it would not be uh no intention on insulting anybody who does that it's just simply a defense mechanism for something we cannot comprehend
0: yeah and actually i think it has been in a more recent movie that a lot of people watched and were like oh my god it's just like the uap thing um, I believe it was called um, Don't Look Up. I believe it was the most recent movie that had that concept. It was about mm. an asteroid was coming towards the planet. Um, and they could barely convince even the news to talk about it. Right. They're like, no, it's seriously happening. And the, and the people <laughs> at, at the news station were like, ha ha ha, that's so funny. Let's let's move on to the next story. Like, right and that that was the commentary like even if something significant is going on people don't really want to pay attention to it because unless it mm-hmm. is right in their face directly mm-hmm. in their face or touching them or something like that they just don't want to deal with it
1: mm-hmm. right. right and uh that may not be best but again i i totally understand why um mm-hmm. You know, I was when I first started looking into UAPs and it started with Bob Lazar and then Commander David Fravor. And um, I I have to be honest, at first, I didn't want to believe it. I was like, whoa, 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 everybody slow down. And the information I was gleaning from my research was quite bothersome. It, It brought me great anxiety, which was to an advantage because at some point I actually tried to disprove it because I felt uncomfortable with what I was seeing. And well, of course I couldn't disprove any of it. I would have to be lying to myself. And so now I've reached this healthy stage where I educate myself, I'm totally set in reality and what happens happens. And then we'll just have to deal with it when it comes. But it's, uh, it, it's good to know about this stuff because if and when something major happens Again, if you're wholly uneducated, it is going to be a shock uh, beyond comprehension.
0: Right. And I think that um, for those of us who do know, it falls on us to start helping the public be prepared and to be educated. Mm -hmm. So like one of the the things that I do with clients is occasionally I'll educate them about how to handle fear. And one Mm -hmm. of the things I always tell them is one of the things you need to handle fear is information so i Uh guess it kind of falls on us to start working on making sure people get that information
1: absolutely what i was thinking i was thinking about this earlier because i thought we were going to talk about something like this so a great example is uh driving a car Mm -hmm. Uh, driving a car can be pretty dangerous i mean overall it's safe you know the number is Mm -hmm. somewhere around forty thousand people die and Automobile crashes in the United States each year. Well, yeah, but we've got 280 million people who are of the age to drive. So, and we drive a lot. So, overall, it's actually safe if you look at the data. We're willing to do it because we understand the risk that it's low and we understand the safety features and we know just how it all works. A lot of people even know how the vehicle itself works, right? And it gives us that understanding that we're going to be safe, because we have a lot of information. Driving a car, there are no mysteries left, okay? Though I must admit how some people drive out here in Colorado, it still remains a mystery on how to operate a motor vehicle, but that's perhaps in every state. So we have all that information, you're completely correct, and then we can assess the situation accurately. Now, imagine taking a car back to the year 1800, and taking somebody for a drive and you get up to like you know 40 50 55 miles an hour which is not fast for us they would completely freak because they they do not know how this i don't know i saw this guy he was like pressing a pedal on the floor and then it went faster but then there was a pedal next to it and it went slower oh it so weird and it made this noise they would be really scared of a motor vehicle but we're not because we understand motor vehicles and it's the same with uaps if you if you don't know if you've never even heard the term uap and our world starts to change significantly you're going to have a much tougher time processing that than if you're a person like me or like yourself
0: yep i agree and and again people are very much trying to find the talking points to engage in these conversations with people so to to summarize so far it seems like in order to prepare for for dissemination right for mm-hmm. getting society ready we have to definitely make sure they have the information we have to make sure therapists are prepared to support people on how they feel about that which you know i'm very glad that NDA NDAA is now going to be addressing more medical issues because psychology should be under that mm-hmm. um we need to increase awareness in general. So it needs to move out of the UFO Twitter world, for instance, and into the public sphere. Mm-hmm. Um let's see. And we need to keep doing the slow, slow, I think, trip. I don't think the sudden sudden reveal is really gonna work. Even if Biden did do that speech, you know there's still gonna be people who are like, he's lying. <laughs> Like, and and that's partly because right now there's so much distrust of the government. Mm-hmm. I saw a reporter. I think it was like two weeks ago, questioning someone that was a press representative um, for the president. They were questioning this intel that Russia might be doing something. They're like, really? Who says says who? Like this is from someone talking about the intel. They go. Says who? Oh, like, they're questioning the government at, at right now. They don't trust the government. So mm-hmm. that's a whole other issue. We have to get the trust back.
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely. I I think I recently read that the, the media, uh, that Americans have greater trust in the media than the government. And, and you can't get the bar much lower
0: than that. Yes, especially because people are still saying fake news, right? So Of course. So who, does, who do they really trust? Who, who do they have left? The, only themselves? Only the people who agree with them? Ugh.
1: Yeah, it's tough.
0: What a mess. We need to fix that. <laughs> we need to fix all of that. So um, you mentioned Bob Lazar, and I was interested in your you know, your origin story for what brought you to the UAP topic. So I thought maybe I would bring you back to talking about Bob Lazar for just a moment. Um, Can you you kind of explain why Bob Lazar was what brought you in? And interestingly enough, everyone has something that brings them in, like really hooks them.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, When I was a college student, I was mildly interested in UFOs and uh, I actually met Stanton Friedman. Uh, (laughs) I totally forgot. I totally forgot. It was so weird. I was in my kitchen the other day and I was like, wait, I think I met Stan Friedman. Uh, so that was interesting. I saw his presentation and, and that got me hooked, but then it just faded away. I wasn't reading books or anything like that back then. And of course there wasn't this, this outpouring of evidence that we see today. Well, occasionally I'll watch, uh, the Joe Rogan experience. So Joe Rogan's podcast and, I don't watch it often, but if somebody's really interesting, I might tune in. And uh, it says something, Bob Lazar and UFOs or Bob Lazar and Area Fifty One. I had never even heard of Bob Lazar. I didn't know the name. And so I watched this episode, which I've watched five times now, uh, because there's a lot of information in there. and You don't want to miss any. And the Lazar story is so interesting because one it's it's fantastic it's it's almost unbelievable, but then again he's saying things that I could imagine happening you know i i, I mean it it it's not beyond the realm of belief uh The other thing I like about Babazar, as far as I can tell, I may be mistaken, I don't think his story has changed really at all. maybe he'll mention a detail slightly differently but hell he was working there in the 1980s and it 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 just appears that he knows things for example people were talking about the cafeteria i think at s4 in area 51 and and he could tell you about the cafeteria and he told you about the paperwork and the interview and all this other stuff so As the podcast went on, I I was thinking the first or maybe second time I watched it, I was like, yeah, you know, this is, I guess it's possible. I mean, I don't know. I wasn't there. The part of the story where he describes, now he was mainly hired, so he says, but I do believe him, um, to back engineer the propulsion system. That was his specialty. He was basically a, a propulsion engineer, young guy, though. and. At one point, he went, so he says, but again, I believe him, that he went inside the craft. And you can see, if you pay attention to his facial expressions and his body language, uh, Joe Rogan says, what was it like? And he said, that's when things got very dark, as in like a foreboding sense. And he goes, the inside, it was very ominous. And he just, I don't know, he has this expression. And again, I'm not, (laughs) I'm a therapist. I'm not one of these people who are like, well, you know, if they blink twice, they're lying. I don't know anything about that. But he certainly seems very, very sincere. And that's the whole part of the interview that's my favorite part, is that the way he's describing it It's with such conviction and authenticity that that was the main reason I chose to believe him. Uh, As far as I know, Bob Lazar has not benefited greatly from sharing this story. Like just about everyone who shares a story, their life has been ruined. I mean, a a good example is uh, Travis Walton who says he was abducted in Snowflake, Arizona when he was a contract logger for the Forest Service. I mean, he wrote a book, maybe made a couple bucks off that, but uh, most of these people who are coming out with these fantastic stories have not benefited greatly. They've been cut off from family and friends. They've been fired from jobs. They've been ridiculed in person, online. Uh, I actually feel for them. And you would think that by now, If you were gonna make up a story, you wouldn't because you saw what happened to everybody else. It it would just make sense, right? So I'm not gonna go make up a story that I was hiking in the Rocky Mountains, I got abducted by a UAP, just make it up because people won't probably work with me in my profession. And my mom will probably think I'm a complete weirdo and my friends are not Mm. going to talk to me, right? Most of them probably will not talk to me. and, and so that's another aspect of Lazar's story that everybody must realize is it's brought him nothing but a headache and very few benefits. Um, I could be wrong. You know, maybe Bob Lazar is making up this whole thing, but I'm inclined to think that he is not. Uh, what do you think?
0: Well, there's a few things I wanted to mention while we, while you mention that. Yeah. Um, there's another person. I'll I don't. I'll come back to Bob. Don't worry. But I believe his name was Schneider. And he came out talking about a base in Dulce where he had an alleged encounter with beings and had some sort of gunfight. Um, now, he spoke about that at a conference. He was very articulate. And very clear and then after he was mysteriously killed um his the circumstances of his death are rather peculiar um supposedly a document came out from the fbi saying he had schizophrenia i've seen people with schizophrenia that did not sound like schizophrenia to me he sounded very coherent For people who are not aware, schizophrenia is a thought disorder. People with schizophrenia tend to be pretty obvious when they have schizophrenia. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, Another example is, I'm I'm not going to remember his name right now, but someone who used to work for Lockheed came out and very clearly spoke about how the government was reverse engineering craft. He provided pictures of beings everyone has overlooked the stories um the stories that he had provided during that interview and the attack on him was again oh he must have a mental issue or something like that Mm -hmm. right like that's that sense tends to be the fallback now what happened with bob Lazar? um all of a sudden he has a story about doing x y and z all of it sketchy uh, Mm um and not having an education um Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like he's fought against those claims very hard but he has Mm -hmm. made the point do you think they would have hired me if i wasn't educated so there is a chance that he's not pushing back on it very much um but he has also been part of some kind of smear campaign it's Mm -hmm. possible i don't know i do know that i see him as somewhat controversial because that smear campaign seems to be working um and that's that's where i'm careful but i'll make the point that uh george knatt made um and this is one really strong point for bob lazar that before Mm -hmm. bob lazar came out and spoke we did not know about area 51 We know about it because of Bob Lazar. I'll also say that I have spoken to someone who worked at Area 51. And it is a very peculiar place. I was told that they expect people to walk on a a very specific path. They have a lot of cameras there. They will air a siren if you do something you're not supposed to do or wander to a place you're not supposed to go. I've also spoken to someone who made it very clear that that would be the place that they would take craft because it is such a secure facility. So, I mean, that's where it's tough because could that be where they have it? Absolutely. Mm -mm. Now Is he telling the whole truth? I don't know. But you know, that's that's why he's controversial, unfortunately. But, but I'll tell you another story real quick, if you don't mind. Yeah. There was an individual who was very interested in the phenomenon. Um, very interested in things like space signals that appeared to be getting picked up by a radio station. Very interested in why he wasn't able to get that information back. After he like it was provided to the CIA or um, why he wasn't able to find out what was going on. He was getting tipped by somebody. Someone was giving him information. Um, I believe I may be saying it wrong, but I believe his name was Leonard Davidson. The funniest story behind him and the reason I mentioned him is because he was telling people the United States government was creating flying saucers. He had seen several of them and they literally said U.S. government on it. The reason I bring this up is because the United States government was in fact creating flying saucers and they now have it publicly known. Also something not many people are aware of. It's called the Avrocar. It was a project that was done between Canada the United States, and a British engineer. So three countries were involved in making it. It was not a successful project, but he wasn't lying. He was telling people this was happening, and now we know it was true. So maybe one day the same will happen with Bob Lazar. Maybe one day they'll disclose what was really going on, what he was really seeing, and it will be a little bit like what happened with the Avro car. So I believe the Avercar was made in the 60s. Um, so that would have been about 60 years ago. So if mm-hmm. what happened with Bob Lazar was in the 80s, we might be finding out the truth in about 2040 at this rate. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> yeah, patience. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and I that that's
1: another thing with Lazar. So I he um was describing the propulsion system that he said he saw and he goes yeah it's anti-gravity and uh it now we're starting to see with these uaps that they're they're unaffected by gravity mm. or, or, or something like that so there are bits and pieces of his story that as more evidence comes out it's uh it's being um i shouldn't say confirmed but maybe some more people are saying hey this could have happened to be quite honest i i i like that bob lazar isn't believed by a lot of people because it is going to be sweet sweet revenge if it comes out that everything he was saying actually happened uh, and we're gonna have to throw a ticker tape parade for this guy he's going to be so psyched mm-hmm. and he's going to be justified and say you know i told you guys so but again, we might have to wait another couple of decades. We'll have to see. Yeah,
0: 2040. Because if nothing else, out of all the secrets they want to protect, I imagine what they already know about UAPs is the top of the list. Mm-hmm. And oh, we've got a Yeah, we've definitely got a lot of hints that they know quite a bit more than they're willing to tell us, of course. But <laughs>
1: Right, yeah, for good reason.
0: Right. It is scary to think about Um, considering how dangerous it would be if our, you know, enemies did get that technology. Some of the things that these craft are capable of doing, including their stealth technology and going very, very quickly from one place to another. Some people have implied essentially teleportation, you know, so it is scary to think about enemies getting a hold of that, so I really hope that we never fully figure those out. I agree, I yeah. agree.
1: Um, and not to talk talk too much about Lazar, he he said that he goes. We this is so powerful and so advanced. We have absolutely no idea what we're doing, and he found that very dangerous. He likened it to if you brought a nuclear reactor back to. I think he said 16 or 1700s England and just left it on the library. Well, eventually somebody's going to take the shielding off and everybody in the room is going to die, right? And then somebody walks in the room and see what's going on and he dies and he dies and he dies. I mean, it, it's he, he, he called this propulsion system magic. It, it, it's way beyond our comprehension and, and the power is just incomprehensible and it is such advanced stuff that at this point in the history of mankind i don't think we have much business uh being successful figuring it out because again it's it's just completely beyond our comprehension it would like be taking a intercontinental ballistic ballistic missile you know back to the year 1300 they they just people in 1300 should not be messing <laughs> with ICBMs and I think that's where we're at now with the whatever technology we have in our
0: possession yeah I think it's it's almost worse than taking it back in time but it's taking it back in time and then putting it in a playground <laughs> you know right because it's because we're we're not we're not fully grown so to speak with this technology Mm -hmm. we there's stuff we don't know there's stuff that people are very closed off to even experimenting with um which is which is interesting because nowadays you know the people the big thinkers in science some of the things they come up with are way more bizarre than anyone who's ever talked about magic or the paranormal has have ever come Mm -hmm. up with even the mm-hmm. concept of a black hole that is so weird <laughs> you know <laughs> it is and, and what's what's interesting about that is it's not like we have one right like nearby to go hang around and say oh yeah they're right <laughs> but they are solid on those. they're like there's definitely black holes
1: <laughs> right right
0: So um I, I know that we went a little over than the usual, expected time for an interview and I appreciate all the time that you have given me today. Um, Thank you so much for coming and talking to me about all of these issues. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on before we closed out today?
1: Oh, briefly, can I share something? So, uh, yeah, I have a a brief list. So just take a minute to cover. I have Mm -hmm. 10 questions I would ask. A UAP occupant, if I met one. Okay. And uh, my fr- if my friends hear these questions, they'll make fun of me, though. They're like, God, Eric, can you ever not be a therapist? Because <laughs> it sounds like a therapist wrote these. You know, a lot of people care about the propulsion systems and what planet are you from, if they're from another planet, and stuff. Why, do you, why are you drawn to nuclear weapons? That's somebody else's forte and interest, not really interest of mine. Uh I'm I'm more interested in culture, society, the way they think, who they are. I, I'm just very interested in that. So if I could ask ten questions, well, you start off with a flattering question. That's how you get people to talk, right? So the first question would be, can you tell me about your children? Uh, maybe, you know, I mean, all parents love being asked that question. So I'd like to see their response, whether it would be dry or passionate. Uh, What is love? Um, I'm guessing they experience love. I don't know. What brings you fulfillment? What mental illnesses does your society suffer from? They may have gotten rid of all of them. I, 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 I think depression would still exist. I think depression, that's very difficult to get rid of and it's the most widespread mental illness on earth. What part of your society are you not proud of? Who's your personal hero? How important is sex? Part of do being you, a therapist is. Do you mean
0: gender or the act of? Just curious. Oh, the
1: uh, the physical act.
0: <laughs> okay, just making sure. Yeah,
1: how important is sex? The fun part about being a therapist is half my conversations are about sex. So that's, it's kind of fun. Uh, what do you miss about the good old days? Which could be a funny response. Yeah. Oh, back in the year, 17,000. Yeah. Uh, what do you know about me? I, I can't get too into it, but I had a very, I, I i know somebody who knows stuff. if If I said this person's name, you would definitely know who that person is. And they recently communicated to me that they knew something about me and they were correct. And we had never met. And they were, this person is an experiencer and they were given a message uh, about my character and they were correct. It was very odd. So I'd ask them, what do you know about me? Because they may know things about us even prior to meeting us. I'm not sure. And last but not least, how can I best help you? Uh, a lot of people think that these UAPs are here, for example, drawn to everything nuclear because they want to help us. I, I mean, if they want to wipe us out, I think they would have done it already. They come and go how they please, right? They can do anything and we're pretty much ineffective against them. Uh, if I met one, I would just simply want to help them. Uh, perhaps they feel the same.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's an, a whole other debate about why they're here, right? I once said, I, well, I can't really assume until I ask them. <laughs> so I would definitely want to talk to them about that as well. Um, <clears throat> I actually know someone who has a project. It's called Ask an Alien Project. And he spends a lot of time thinking about what would you ask an alien? I don't know if you've seen his videos. They're on YouTube. He's a great guy and he works with his family on that. And he just came up with a lot of these points also. And and I, I think he will be adding some of your questions to his list. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, with uh whoever these folks are on the UAPs, I think any question would be a good question.
0: Right. And I think and I think his mindset with that is also preparing because it's likely we're gonna end up having to ask those questions one day right? And I don't know how far in the future, but I think it might be a little nearer than people think. So... You might be right. Mm-hmm. By the way, if anyone out there wants to help me get hooked up with messages, I've been waiting. <laughs> I want some <laughs> messages too. Okay? Just saying. <laughs> um, Yeah, so I will say that, uh, you know, one thing we I wanted to mention actually which i'm i'm sad that i didn't mention it earlier was that the concept of the download is an interesting psychology facet Mm -hmm. as well um i personally get what i call impressions and pushes Mm -hmm. or i feel like pushed to do things um Mm. and sometimes an impression of what should be done things like that almost an instinctive thing But Uh I don't get any clear audio messages. Other people describe their download as being like a memory. Like they just remember something. Like, uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've read American Cosmic yet, but a very brilliant aerospace employee apparently gets downloads that are to him like memories. And he just is remembering these great inventions all of a sudden. So, and then there's also sort of like what they call a calling, where some people are drawn into this topic again, like a push is what I call that, right? So there's yeah. just there's something going on where we are being somehow influenced, and interestingly enough, um, someone who researches this um, has mentioned that there are a lot of helpers involved in this topic people who help other people seem to be pushed or get the calling Mm. so i'm i am also hopeful that the answer to that question is they want to help us and they do want help with helping us so fingers crossed
1: (laughs) i got my fingers crossed too
0: yeah (laughs) So could you please let people know where they can reach you if they want to talk to you about this, about um, assistance in the future um, with this topic and mental health um, or, or just about how they can reach you for some of your projects and books.
1: Right, right. So for a guy who spends almost all his time in the mountains by himself, uh, it's actually pretty easy to reach me on the internet. So I, I met you through Twitter, new to Twitter, and it's just UAP underscore therapist. And of course, anyone's welcome to send me an inquiry. Uh, It's completely confidential. We could just talk and nobody really needs to know. I have that same address over on Instagram. It's just UAP underscore therapist. And if somebody just wants to talk, uh, that's great. If they wanted to work with me as a therapist, I I usually exclusively only meet people in person at the practice I work at in Colorado Springs. But if it's UAP centered, I'd be more than willing to do telehealth because I think it's really important. People out there are probably looking for uh, two qualities that you don't come by that easily, and that is a halfway decent therapist who's Educated uh, UAP history and modern UAP evidence. So if they want to chat through Twitter or Instagram, that's great. And if they wanted to work on a professional level, a client and a therapist, then we can get that ball rolling too.
0: Well, thank you so much. I'm going to go ahead and close out the show. I truly appreciate the time you spent with me today. It's great to have your insight, and I appreciate it for the sake of the community. We definitely benefit from you being involved. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. So, this was Deb's Data Dojo, part of Calling All Beings Podcast Network. If you want to reach me, I'm at Study of UAPs on LinkedIn instagram facebook and twitter have a great day everybody